out of the park baseball is already the best baseball simulator out there and it's gotten even better with the release of their new perfect team mode perfect team is their foray into the ultimate team card collecting modes that have revolutionized the online experience for sports games if you already have ootp 19 then you have perfect team just go to the home page and click perfect team on the right hand side and you'll begin with your six starter packs to build the team. And from there, you can choose to open more packs or dive into the robust auction house and use perfect points to craft the team that you want. The depth of players is truly amazing with a card for every player present on an MLB roster, as well as legendary throwbacks like Babe Ruth, Walter Johnson, Cy Young, like Daryl Strawberry, Larry Walker, Manny Ramirez, all the way down to novelty players like Bob Euchre and Snuffy Sternweiss. That's right. I said Snuffy Sternweiss. That's a real player. Once you have your team, you build your lineups, you build your rotation, you pick the strategy that you want. You want to run a small ball team. You want to be a full sabermetrician. You want to be somewhere in between. You want to run an unorthodox. You can choose you know, how often that you're stealing, how often you're using shifts, the slowness or quickness of the hook for pitchers and relievers. A lot of detail there that you can set for the team and how it will run during the simulations. Uh, and once you set all that, you submit your team and the game simulates outcomes every 30 minutes from 9 a.m. to midnight central. Seasons run from Monday to Sunday with every day of the week covering a month and then Sundays covering the playoffs. Will you make the playoffs and be promoted to the next level or finish with one of the worst records in the league and possibly face relegation down to a previous level? Download the game for just $20 at ootpdevelopments.com and use code SLEEPER19 for a 10% discount at checkout. That's ootpdevelopments.com. Episode 634 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing rather well. Uh, we are we are one week closer to the uh, football being completely over, and the official launch of fantasy baseball season um, is uh, eight days from today. February 4th is the official kickoff of fantasy baseball, and football be gone. No joke. I was uh, I went to a sports bar the other night because I was heading to a movie and uh, I wanted to grab a bite to eat. So me and my brother-in-law, uh, we stopped at the sports bar and there were a number of guys who, who know me and know what I do and stuff. And so they were asking me a whole bunch of questions and uh, a guy was asking me like a million questions about different shortstops. I'm like, I just recorded a two-hour shortstop pod. <laughs> Go ahead and take a listen. And he was like, yeah, I don't start listening to podcasts until after the Super Bowl. I'm like, all right, well, I guess you are that person. There you go. Yeah, there's, there's a number of those, but I'm already seeing it in, in the frequency of the tweets. Uh, yeah, I posted my the first installment of my bold predictions uh, over at Rotowire in the NL East, and I'm already getting questions. I'm like, there's been five comments on articles in the last three months, and all of a sudden everybody's hitting me up, and it's my favorite ones. Hey, great article. How about this trade? I'm like, no, no, no. Can we talk about what I wrote about, what I spent all that time putting together? No. Why, why would they do that, Jason? Uh, I just need to know they read it. There's no valid. There's no confirmation anybody reads it. It's like, oh, sweet, new article. I can ask questions. <laughs> just a just a small pet peeve of mine. Yeah, no, I I, I get that. 
we're going to talk some baseball. We're going to continue with our position previews. Uh, you and I are going to tackle catchers because I thought that it would be kind of a shorter episode. Uh, which <laughs> would be nice for me because I've got to for punishment. <laughs> yeah, I've got to I got a sick baby, so I, I kind of want to move through this one a little bit quicker so I can make sure she's okay and, and doing all right. But uh, yeah, before... she's okay in all seriousness. But I mean, we could spend five minutes on this on this position and be done with it. Yeah, it's we bad. We'll, we'll go we'll go a little bit deeper than that. We'll try to make it at least ten before we start tearing uh, the remaining hair we have out. Uh, before we jump in, though, I uh, gotta thank uh, pretty much every you know a bunch of the listeners who uh, went out and bought my draft guide, uh, which is still available on Amazon.com. Uh, it it debuted in its second day as uh, the number one new release in fantasy baseball and in baseball uh, on Amazon. So I uh, got that cool little banner that said number one. It's been uh, it's done really really well. People are really, really enjoying it. Only five-star reviews, which is awesome. Uh, but I just want to thank everybody who went out and, and supported me and my guys over Friends of Fantasy Benefits by getting a draft guide. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and congrats. And uh, I guess, you know, Danielle must have a second account. She's been charging up a bunch. And, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, that's great. <laughs> she's, ho- she's hoping that I start doing better and better with this stuff because uh, we're close to making the same amount of money. She's been my sugar mama for, for many years. Uh, and she, she's just hoping that at some point she won't have to pay alimony if something happens to our relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's how our relationship began too. When I met my wife, uh, you know, she was probably making twenty twenty five percent more than I was. Um, that's not the case anymore, but back in the day, it certainly was. But yeah, I closed the gap by winning fantasy leagues, and since we've been married, uh, the frequency of, of me winning fantasy leagues has declined. Um, I, I never repeat that in front of her, and she doesn't listen to this show, so she's out of the house right now. But just saying, I used to be dominant until marriage and children. Well, what I've learned is I I was dominant until I got into the industry, because I've, I've learned a harsh lesson over the last five years of doing this, uh, <laughs> that every single person, or virtually every single person in every one of my leagues listens to me on a regular basis. Oh, it all comes down to strategy. That's the oh. thing. I mean, it's it's not, you know, you, you spend all this time writing this stuff up. Hey, these are my bold, these are the guys that I like. And you know, it's all about, that's actually, that's what I enjoy is the, the strategy part of it, is to say, it's like, okay, this is what I want to, these are the guys I like, these are the guys I don't like. And then, uh Mike Zanino comes out, and I start bidding on Mike Zanino. I remember one draft, somebody looked at me like, what the hell are you counting up this one for? I'm like, well, because you want him. Let's play chicken. (laughs) So things like, it's all about strategy at that point, Uh, and and which comes in play with catchers because uh, with the tumbleweeds that this whole position is, you need some strategy this year. You can't, uh, you know, I I know sometimes we all go, catchers, they all suck. Let's just do dollar catchers and let somebody else overpay for them. Um, that's not me this year. Yeah, I think uh, and I think it largely depends on what kind of format you're in. We're going to tackle that in a second, but let's start with uh, the only notable move that's happened since Paul and I last recorded. That was Marco Estrada signing a, I believe, a one-year deal to join the rotation for the Oakland A's. Estrada has pitched pretty much in pretty bad locations his entire career between Milwaukee and and Toronto, he finally gets to go to a pitcher's ballpark. Is this the time to buy in on Marco Estrada or have the skills decline too much or staying away? 
this feels like a Mike Fires that like okay, let's we need another version of Mike Fires and, and let's do this. I mean, obviously, getting him out of Toronto uh, and the AL East as a whole, uh, there's upside here uh, with that. I mean, the skills have been in decline over the past couple of. Uh, I mean, it really dropped off last year. He was somebody that I was looking at late in the drafts, and then it just all fell apart. And I just think relocation is a is a is a good thing here. Uh, I think it moves him from the reserves rounds to late late rounds for me in an AL-only league. I'm still not touching him in a mixed format uh, right now, but honestly, he was off my radar if he was going to stay uh, if he was going to stay somewhere in the AL East. But this, if I could pick a park, this is the one I want him at. And this whole his whole approach is effective velocity, pitching up high, change ups down low, and that's pretty much been the game. Uh, maybe uh, a new division where they haven't seen him as much. I mean, he's been pitching in the AL East now for four straight seasons. Uh, there was some very uh, familiarity with him it, it, with some teams and more than others. I mean, there was a time when uh, Tampa Bay just absolutely wore him out because they had him down. They knew what was coming. Uh, and there was some worry. Oh, he was tipping his pitches. I'm working. I, that, I remember that was a big story of his last spring. Hey, I, I look back. I was tipping my pitches. I'm going to be much better this year. Yeah, no. Um, We'll like to take another chance, but yeah, it just moves him out of the reserve rounds up until the up until like last three or four rounds when they only uh, straight draft and and still uh, you know below the dollar days uh, of an AL only auction. Yeah, I am tempted because I've been a Marco Estrada guy off and on in the past, and of course I r- really ate it. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I didn't have many shares from last year, but in 2017, really, really paid for. Uh, what the num- the numbers that he put up? The question to me is what the velocity looks like. I think you know we've seen him average at around 88 miles an hour over the course of the last two years on that fastball. I think he he needs to gain a couple ticks. If he does that, then I might become a little bit more interested because being a guy who's going to have fly ball a fly ball percentage over 50 percent. He, he benefits moving from Toronto to Oakland. But if he's still laying him in there for guys to hit, he's going to continue to you know give up 1.5, 1.6 homers per nine. Yeah. And that's going to be a problem no matter where he plays. So I mean, And the, the expected stats, if you, if you look at them last year, he pitched better. The results, the, his, you know, the contact... The contact was better than the results to tell you. I mean, like his expected batting average against was 243 and his actual was 274. His expected slugging was 451, his actual 521. Uh, weighted on base, expected weighted on base average was 31 points below his actual. So there's some upside here, which is why you know, he's he's back on the switching locations should definitely help uh, because he was he was rather unlucky last year. It doesn't really show up when you look at. The standard right is say, okay, look, oh wow, he had an eleven percent home run to fly ball ratio, which is what he had the year before. Uh, so it's like, yeah, you know, when you try to look for, and this is where using expected stats and Statcast help takes you to the next level because you look at this and you're, if you were just going off our straight Fangraphs page, you're trying to look for unlucky. You're like, well, the home run to fly ball ratio has been static. Yeah, he gave up even more fly balls last year than he had the previous year. Uh, you know, the the BABIP was about the same. So he earned this. He wasn't unlucky. I mean, the the ERA was five. Uh, where the ERA was five sixty four. The FIP was five forty four. The Sierra, you know, Sierra was five forty five. It's like, oh yeah, he absolutely earned this. 
no upside here at all. But then you look at the expected stats and look at the contact uh, versus the results and see he should have done better than this, uh, which is why I would not, if you if you had a Serato last year or the past two years, you're like, God, I'm done with this. This is why I would not throw him away and just cross him off your list yet. Yeah, I think he, like you said, I think he's dollar days kind of guy in AL only, but it would not surprise me if we saw a resurgence from him. I mean, he's one of those guys that just gets weak contact constantly. And like you said, he's going to be playing in a division that hasn't seen him quite as much uh, now that he's out of the uh, AL East. So they're they're a little bit to kind of grasp onto, but I I really want to see him pitch in, in spring training before I kind of lock in on him. Yeah, let's see where it's if he if he's if he's throwing eighty six plus up high, I don't care how much spin or how much movement he has, eighty six up high is, is there's gonna be a limit to the effectiveness of that velocity. Yeah. Uh let's move into our catcher preview. Uh and let's start with kind of just a strategy question. How, how does your strategy with catchers change depending on league size and a two catcher format? You know, I have gone all over the place. I have tried the dollar catchers in, in both spots. Uh, I have, I only played, in fact, I think the fantasy baseball invitational was the only single catcher league. No, I didn't know a home league. It was a single catcher league. Sorry. Uh, but I had a, the single catcher leagues. It was first time last year that I had even played in one. So it's always been a two. And I have gone the, the route where I have paid. Well, I remember one year in AL town, I bought Joe Mauer at 24 and then I bought somebody else at one. And I think my $1 catcher outperformed my Joe Mauer. Um, and then there have been years where I have spent $2 and got a negative 20 return uh, on those catchers. So, uh, yeah, I, I've never, I've never rostered a, a Buster Posey or a Gary Sanchez or even a real Muto or Perez. I've never been there, but it's that next level where I'm looking for the the, the jump and the upside uh, to go for that. I mean, I've been able to find some pretty decent value late uh, in the single league formats. Like I've had uh, Chirinos uh, a couple of times when he's had the, I've drafted him for a dollar and he's turned around and hit the you know, hit the home runs, uh, which has been nice uh, and, and things like that. But I'm typically chasing power and finding, trying to find guys that aren't going to absolutely tank my batting average from there. Yeah. I, I approach it completely differently depending on whether it's two catcher or one catcher in a one catcher league. Unless it's a 20-team league or, or deeper than that, uh, I, I don't care who I get a catcher. I'm, I'm looking yeah. for the best value on the board. I In the pitcher list, experts mock, I took Gary Sanchez because he – well, one, I thought it was a two-catcher league, but um, I, was still <laughs> fine. I was still fine with the pick um, uh, because he just fell so far. Uh, and I think if, if he can kind of get back to being who he was in 2017, he's a monster. Uh, and we'll talk about him on, a little bit more in a second. Uh but in a two-catcher league, I do not want, like, the dollar days guys. I do not want the guys at the end of the draft that are left over. Uh, and if you you can go and look at kind of the uh, the show notes on whatever podcast player you're, you're using and kind of the, see the tiers that I've broken it up to, and the first two tiers include the top 15 catchers. So if you're in a two-catcher uh, two league, uh, a 15-team two-catcher league, it gets really gross after the last uh, or after the la- uh, the first three tiers, which are the top, I think, fifteen catchers. The catcher twos are really gross, and there's, an, I think, an article in uh, the in the forecaster every year that talks about mm-hmm. uh, the negative value attributed to lower end catchers. And I don't want a guy getting negative value on my team, so I'm willing to, you know, kind of 
take a shot on a guy a little bit earlier in, in a two-catcher format than I necessarily would just because I don't want that guy giving me negative value. Agreed. I mean, it, Todd Zola also has, has talked about this for a while. And for me, he's always been one of the best guys around catchers when I've been in drafts with him. And he, he's not afraid to spend money at catcher and go out and get the t- in the two-catcher league to go ahead and spend money uh, on those two. Uh, I'm look- I was looking at my home leagues uh, where, where you were talking and found that in my AL league, I have Chirinos at $1. And then uh, I think Blake Swihart was the other catcher. Obviously, no return there. Uh, but in my national, in my NL only, it was Austin Barnes and Tucker Barnhart. And I have them for $1 and $2. Uh, now, in this in that particular league, you only get to keep seven guys. Uh, and even at those prices, I still have other guys that I want to keep. Uh, so I'm going to throw those guys back in. Um, there's some upside in that, but I, I'm thinking that's no. There's other guys with with the limited keepers. It's not worth it. But if I didn't have the limited keepers, I would probably keep both those guys and just move forward because I think Barnhart uh, is doesn't kill you. Uh, and there's a little bit of upside there. And Austin Barnes depends which version of him shows up. But at that price, I'm willing to take that uh, that that. But that's one of those examples where league format and keeper situation dictates what I'm going to do. Completely. Let's let's jump into the tiers and talk about the first tier, which is only two players. It's Gary Sanchez and JT Real Muto. Uh, and if you look at, in the show notes over on uh, your whatever podcast player you're using, you can see I put the ADPs. I was absolutely shocked that Gary Sanchez is still going ahead of JT Real Muto after last year. Uh, what are your thoughts on these guys? Do you want either of them, and who would you take over the other? I would take Real Muto as soon as he's traded. Uh, you know, when you look at that Miami Marlins lineup, why in the hell would you pitch to this guy? That's my. But as soon as he's traded, that concern goes away. And right now, the ADP is they're essentially tied, fifty-eight point six and fifty-nine point four. That's a tie. Uh, and so, as soon as he gets traded, gets into a better lineup, Real Muto is your number one catcher in, in my uh, in my book. That said, am I willing to spend a pick in the first five rounds of a twelve-team mixed league on a catcher? No, uh, I'm not. Uh, and Sanchez, I have concerns about. I mean, he had that that his front shoulder surgery on November eighth, so that disrupts what he's been able to do in the off season to uh, to get him. So his routine has changed. Uh, I'm on record talking about front shoulder concerns. I know you can laugh all you want about Matt Carpenter, but Matt Carpenter didn't have the surgery. Uh, Sanchez did, and that does disrupt your 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 time to get ready. So I would be. I have some concerns about Sanchez stumbling out of the gate and maybe eventually getting there, but that's where I'm concerned. I, I can't spend that pick on Sanchez. To me, Real Muto is, is catcher one this year as soon as he's traded. Right now, I get him being uh, the second catcher off the board at ADP, but move him to a better lineup, and I, I'm, I'm in for drafting him in the first five rounds. I'm, I, I understand your concerns on – uh, Sanchez in his shoulder, and so I'll probably kind of wait until we see him actually play in some spring games, or at least after pitchers and catchers report before I grab a couple shares of Gary Sanchez. But I'm going to have some shares of Gary Sanchez because the ceiling is just so high. I mean, this is a guy that, you look at the projection systems, they all have him between 27 and 32 home runs with like a 250 average. And, you know, that's on one of the best teams in baseball. So, you know, the... The runs and RBIs are going to be there. 
I just think if he can kind of get back to what he was, he was extremely unlucky. Now some of some of the uh, some of the grossness was well deserved, but he was also extremely unlucky on balls in play. He had a 197 BABIP last year. Uh, I I fully expect him to rebound at worst a little bit, and if he does that, then I think he's worth where he's going already. So I think this is a guy that you can get in the fourth or fifth round of your 12 or 15 team league that can give you second round value if it all comes together. And that is the kind of guys I tend to want to target anyways. I, that being said, I still have real Muto above Gary Sanchez. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, the thing is Sanchez was being drafted at the end of the second beginning of third round last mm-hmm. year. And you look at, you, know, you get back to the, the stat cast data. He left a lot of stuff at the plate. Uh, his uh, his expected batting average was 34 points higher than his actual uh, slugging was 55 points uh, below his uh, expected. I mean, there's a and you could that's when like okay injury. He definitely had a problem. He had the the, the groin issue, the shoulder issue. Uh, you know that that cuts into what he was able to do. So I just have the I just have the concern with the shoulder. Uh, and when you're when you're looking at two guys that are this close in ADP. Uh, one of these things is easily fixable. Trade Real Muto to a real team, uh, and his value and his value goes higher. And to me, that's the safer guy. I would I would agree with you that Sanchez has more upside, but I think he also has more risk. There's a ton more risk, and that's one of the reasons why I have Real Muto uh, as my number one catcher coming into this season. And I don't have any qualms about that. I don't think it's necessarily particularly close. Uh, so I don't know how many shares of Real Muto I'll get, considering where he has he's gone in the drafts I've been in. I haven't seen him last to pick sixty, where his ADP is just about uh, in virtually any of my two catcher leagues. So and and the ADP we're using is for a two catcher format. It's the NFBC ADP, so just keep that in mind. Uh, let's move on to tier two. Uh, you've got Sal Perez, who's got an ADP of one hundred three, uh, and then the the rest of these guys are really bunched together. Uh, really, really, really closely. Uh, Wilson Ramos, Wilson Contreras, Yadier Molina, Yasmani Grandal, and Buster Posey all going within 10 picks of each other, uh, according to the NFBC ADP, uh, at about pick between pick 140 and uh, 150. So what are you doing if you are, – are you going to be targeting catchers in this tier, and which ones? Uh, I would be, and Wilson Ramos is the guy here for me. I mean, I, I mentioned the bold predictions that I put at Rotowire. Uh, one of them is Wilson Ramos. The fact that, he, that I have him at 25 homers, 90 runs driven in, and hitting 280. Uh, and he has never hit more than 20. He has never hit either of those home run or RBI totals. The batting average has been there because he hits the crap out of the baseball. Uh, that's where you know, his hard contact comes into play. Even though he's slow, he just hits the baseball really hard. Uh, but the reason why I'm excited about Wilson Ramos this year, you look at the projected lineup in front of him with Brandon Demo, Jed Lowry, and Robinson Cano. Those are three guys that really know how to get on base. And for me, I, th- I honestly think Ramos is at the end of the year is going to be a top three fantasy catcher. And right now, the where he's being drafted, I know it's the I know his ADP is around the, the fifth catcher, but th- his overall production at the end of the year is going to be a lot higher than the 140th best player off off the board uh, because I I think the projection systems aren't properly are, are underselling what he's capable of this year. I am I'm extremely high uh, on him this year, and if I like. I know we've got mixed labor coming in a couple of weeks. He's not going to be there at pick one forty. Yeah, 
I I'm right there with you. He is probably my number three catcher, and I think there is there I think there's reasons to potentially put him as your number two above Gary Sanchez, depending on what you're yeah. what you're going for. I think there's also I, I love Yasmin Grandal and where he's going. So getting getting moved to Milwaukee, I think is going to be really nice for him. Uh, outside of that, I, I mean. Molina is an interesting guy because I think he's going to, you know, outside of the having to literally lose a testicle because he plays so hard, uh, he's been a pretty durable guy and, and played a lot. I, I don't know that I want anything to do with Wilson Contreras. Uh, I just am extremely scared of what I saw last year. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, Sal Perez is an interesting guy. You know he's going to play, and that that's the nice part. I just don't know that I want to pay a pick 103 on Sal Perez, I'm not touching Buster Posey. I'm, I'm absolutely. I, I love Buster Posey. Uh, he's my uh, eldest daughter's favorite player. Um, I'm a huge Giants fan. I want nothing to do with Buster Posey this year in a redraft league. Uh, coming off of hip surgery, we don't even know if we. we I doubt he's going to be ready for opening day, but uh, we don't know when he's going to be ready necessarily. Uh, the power is way down. That team is going to be awful. There's no reason Posey should be going at pick 150. It, it just, I think that's name value more than anything else. You and I are on the same page with a lot of this, and I'll, yeah, I'll work backwards there. I am abs- I am uh, fully on board with your opinions on on Posey. I, I, you know, when we look going back to Real Muto, not a good lineup around him. I just when you look at when you look at this tightly bunched tiers, I mean the ADPs right now we're talking about Ramos 141, Contreras 142, Molina 142, Grandal 148. Posey 150. I, you know, Posey, I could go even lower than that. Uh, I, I don't see a lot there. With Perez, it's definitely a playing time. That's what you can count on. They they just play him. They don't care how much he, he's already paid for, and they just let him play. Um, I think he could play 170 games in a year if they let him. And that's where it's. It, so when I'm looking at when I'm looking, you're you're paying that price for Perez because you know he's going to be out there 140 games a year, um, and he's going to get the home runs. You, you can put him in the bank for 20 and, and 75 because it's there. Uh, the batting average isn't a complete drag as, as it as it once was. Uh, you know, I agree with you with Contreras. I mean, it was a bad year, but you look at the expected stats, it was even worse than that. Uh, so if you're looking for a rebound, the, the quality of contact that he had last year doesn't support it. So something will have to change for that. Malina is the one that interests me because... Over the last couple of years, he has he has changed himself. I mean, he used to be a guy that would hit it on the ground a lot, uh, but he's become extremely pull happy and loft happy. I mean, he's in the launch angle party, whether no whether he wants to talk about it or not. Uh, but you look at his batted look at his batted ball profile the last couple of years, and there is a clear trend to pulling the baseball more and hitting it uh, hitting it in the air more, and that's where the the home runs are coming. We see this often from aging catchers, where towards the end it's like, okay, let's do it. And uh, he's doing it. And I I, mean, I really like St. Louis, how it's coming together this year. And I think he has – that's another guy that I'm willing to pay for. Like, I don't want to pay for Sal Perez at 103 if I can get Yadier Molina three rounds later. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. And I while I would like to try to get a guy in this tier if I can, uh, I'm, I'm not going to reach for anybody – uh, I'm willing to pay the price on on Ramos. I'm willing to pay the price on Grandal, and really the rest. I'm kind of just waiting to see if any drop. And I think that's partially what the issue on Posey is: is there is a clear cliff between tier two 
in tier three. It's a chasm. It's not a cliff. Yeah. It's awful. And one other note about this tier, when you look at Grand Dahl, one of the things that initially came to mind going to Milwaukee, awesome, great park. This should be a good thing for him. You look at the 2018 par factors for left-handed hitters in Dodger Stadium and, and whatever they're calling Miller Park now, RIP Miller. Uh, I forgot, AmFam, they're changing it to some name. Um, negligible difference. I mean, the park factors are essentially the same. Uh, overall runs, home runs, so it's not not the big gain. I know last year I was super hyped about Yelich going from Miami to Milwaukee. There was a huge difference there. That one's coming. You know, we could see that kind of thing coming this year with Grandal going over. You don't see much. But the other thing I'm a little concerned about is Manny Pena's defense needs to play more than once a week. And so, you know, last year was the first year that Grandal got over 500 plate appearances. I don't know if he gets there this year. That said, he's still the three uh, of this tier. Per, uh, Ramos, Molina, and Grandal are the guys that I like at the price they're going for. Uh, but I agree. I'm, I'm not – Contreras can slide for me. Posey can slide for me. And I'm not paying that price for Perez. Yeah. I, I'm, I think we're pretty close to lockstep. Let's go ahead and move on to that next tier. And I was not joking when I said there is a clear cliff – especially if you're just talking about uh, ADP. Uh, Buster Posey's ADP is 150.39. He is the eighth catcher off the board currently uh, in NFBC leagues. Francisco Mejia is the ninth catcher coming off the board. His ADP is over 100 picks later, 251.67. So when I say there is a cliff, it is a uh, north face of Mount Everest uh, style cliff. It is absolutely huge. So if you don't get one of those, what is it, top eight catchers, you are waiting a long time for your for your catcher, uh, your catcher one. Uh, and this this tier is kind of the rest of the catcher ones, at least according to ADP. It's Francisco Mejia, Danny Jansen, uh, Jorge Alfaro, Mike Zunino, Jan Gomes, uh, Willens Estudio. I, and I think I just butchered that name, and Wellington Castillo. So, Jason, who out of this group are you targeting? Uh, the old, honestly, the only one I'm very interested in is Danny Jansen. I mean, with Jansen, to me, one of the things that came to mind looking at him is like, okay, you like Buster Posey, but I think, honestly, Danny Jansen's upside, and we're talking high-range, uh, low-probable outcome, but possible is Danny Jansen can be a run producer like Posey, not the batting average. Posey can still hit for batting average. But I think if you're looking for run production, runs, home runs, RBI, there's not going to be a big difference between Jansen and Posey. That's that's where my gut is. And But we're seeing a, a 102 pick difference between the two of them. So when I'm talking about fading Posey, and looking later, this is one of the guys that I'm circling as, hey, I'm, I'm interested in this guy uh, as my as my cheap catcher one uh, because he's going to have a majority of the playing time. And of all these guys, uh, he's the, he and Mejia are the ones that aren't going to hurt you. I mean, Jorge Alfaro can't hit. That's just my – he can't hit. Uh, you, my, opinions, you? <laughs> my opinions on Mike Zanino are well-established, and now I have to suffer for him playing for my favorite team too. Uh, that's not that's not good. Uh, the Gomes playing time situation is going to be tough when he's splitting with Suzuki. Uh, Estudio is, I think, it's a nice toy, uh, and it's going to be batting average. But where does he play? 
that's the thing. That's it's like where does he put? But there's enough upside there because the batting average could be really good. It's just there's nothing else to it. And crazy he enough, could, he, he's, could he's, multiple, he, he could have multiple things. It's it's a nice toy thing, uh, and he's the other guy. So Mejia Jansen and Astadio are the only ones in this group that I I'm interested in. I'm really surprised that Astadio has not kind of jumped up more in his ADP. I really thought after that home run he hit from his knee. Uh, in what the, it was, I think it was Dominican Winter League ball or Venezuelan. Yeah. What, what Twins, fans, Twins fans are still trying to wake up. I saw a funny tweet yesterday. They had their their annual Twins Fest, and one of the writers said it took 50 minutes for a fan to ask an Ask to Dio question. I'm like, really? I mean, Toe Nash questions still come up at Race Fans Fest. How is Ask to Dio? 50 minutes for your shiny new toy. Uh, I mean, I know there's a lot that's gone on in Minnesota this offseason, but I, I figured this guy would be at the top of the mind. Uh, I guess that's other that's further proof that uh, Jeff Sullivan wasn't in Minneapolis for fans fest because that would have been the second question out of the gate. But yeah, when you're looking at this tier with that chasm, I mean, I, I see three guys with upside and three guys where we know where they're at and that they should be your backup plans. I mean, with, here, this... In this tier, I would be chasing the upside, and there's three guys with upside, and there's four guys with downside. Uh, see, I like I like Alfaro. I, I know that the average is gonna come down from where it's been the last two years because he, he's put up two straight seasons of a 400 plus BABIP, uh, and that I mean that's just not sustainable for for him. But I still think he can hit like 245 and hit 15 plus home runs. Uh, if he continues to get full playing time, he should. That's going to be a lineup that, uh, especially once they get either Harper or Machado, because I'm assuming that he'll, they'll get at least one of them, uh, that's going to be a really nice lineup hitting in front of him. I think he get a, a fair amount of RBIs. Alfaro's a guy that I think is okay if you're really uh, kind of searching around for that catcher one. I completely agree with you on Danny Jansen. I, I think he is... Uh, I think he is a fantastic uh, catch, kind of late catcher one. Uh, again, another guy that I thought his ADP, considering how much pub he's gotten within the industry, would be kind of shooting up. And it wouldn't surprise me to see his ADP, Francisco Jimenez's ADP, and like Asadio's uh, kind of jumping up and, and creating a new new tier above this one. Right. I want nothing to do with Mike Zanino. Except for to hear Paul complain about the fact that Mike Zazino hit like 250 in one season where he bet against him. Uh, th- that's the only that's yeah, the only the thing I enjoy hearing. The Bay Ray and I'm still not wanting him should tell you guys yeah. everything you need to know. I'm, I'm also wanting agree. him to be traded to Miami so Real Muto can come to Tampa Bay. That's not let's, party. <laughs> uh, let's party. Let's uh, party. But yeah, I am really not interested in. in 20 home runs and out. Zanino can hit the ball hard. That's fine. It's, but there's that giant gap in between uh, that he could hit 20 and hit 195 again. Or that, 210 and, and, again. And that's the problem for me. I'm one of those guys that I like to punt batting average. But I want to punt batting average with someone who's got a really high offensive ceiling. So like a Joey Gallo. Like I don't want to punt batting average with my catcher one necessarily. Really what I want from my catcher one and my catcher two is a guy that isn't going to hurt me. Uh, and I think Wellington Castillo is one of those guys who's not going to hurt you. He, he missed uh, a lot of last year with a suspension, a, a PD suspension, uh, but the White Sox have made moves to kind of give him free reign in this uh, in this offense. I think he could hit 20 home runs 
with a decent average, and that's going to be a much improved offense, especially once they sign uh, one of the uh, uh, Machado right. Harper and then bring up Eloy Jimenez. Uh, I like I mean, this I deal a lot. Yeah, it's definitely that last year's trash, this year's treasure. I mean, he, when you miss half the season, you got to come back. Uh, there's some problem. It's willing to take the chance. I mean, one of the other things I would comment about Zanino, if he's ever going to turn it around, this is going to be the place to do it. I mean, we're talking about a, a, a pull hitter in a division loaded with parks that favor pull hitters. And if it's going to be, if there's a year for, for him to do it, you would think this would be the one. Uh, so that's where your glimmer of hope. That said, I'm going to likely let somebody else take that chance. And, and see where that goes. But if if he's gonna ever shut me up and be like, "Haha, look, I'm really good," this is gonna be the year to do it because that the, the Fenway and and Baltimore, especially with Baltimore's pitching uh, <laughs> and Toronto, those are places that he should be able to do very well. Yeah. Uh, as far as Francisco Mejia goes, I'm really waiting on. I think Mejia is a fine value this year. I'm surprised he hasn't actually gone more, gotten more expensive. I've been on the record as a guy who dislikes Francisco Mejia long term. Uh, that being said, he's got catcher eligibility now. I think if he stays in San Diego, he is going to lose that catcher eligibility at some point. And I think if he goes anywhere, he could lose the catcher eligibility at some point. He's been talked as a, a potential uh, return or part of return for uh, Real Muto going to San Diego. If that happens, if Mejia ends up in Miami, I want nothing to do with him. Correct. Correct. I, I agree. And San Diego is tough that tough. Yeah, you know, he would have to move around because you're not going to you're not gonna uh, you're not gonna put Austin Hedges you're not gonna minimalize him. You, no. That's where his value is his defense and the occasional solo shot because you talk about dudes who can't hit. Uh, there's another one. Yep. Uh, though Austin Hedges does have a little bit of pop. He, he he rarely makes contact, but when he does, he hits it hard. Oh, yeah, that argument, and the funny thing was, I don't know, five years ago we were at the Futures game, not the Futures game, but the AFL Rising Stars. And it was Alfaro behind one plate and Hedges behind the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's move or let, let's move on into the catcher twos. Uh, these are guys with ADPs uh, between two eighty nine or sorry two eighty one and four fifty nine. So this is our last tier. Uh, it's pretty much the rest of uh, is like the next fifteen guys according ADP. Uh, you mentioned Tucker Barnhart as a guy that you would be interested in targeting. You talked about uh, previously owning Robinson Chineros. Uh Is there any other guys, or do you want to talk about them? Uh, a couple of dudes. I mean, I Omar Narvaez. With when Ooh, you look well at done. going to yeah, uh, when you go when we're talking about Seattle, especially uh, he's in Seattle now, especially in an OBP league. I mean, that's. He's got that in spades. Uh, so and he showed a little bit more power upside last year. But with Narvaez, I, I am intrigued there. And in fact, I you know bypassing some of the other guys like we talked about Gomes and and Alfaro. I mean, this is where 
I like Narvaez. I think Narvaez is a bargain down here. I also look at uh, throwing to our WWE listeners who wants to walk with Elias. Uh, Elias Diaz uh, really uh, intrigues me. I mean, he backs up Cervelli, but Cervelli is a concussion away from retirement at this point. Uh, and you look at Diaz. Di- oh, Diaz. I'm thinking about Matt Diaz back in the day, but Matt, with uh, Elias Diaz. You know, the exit velocity on his fly balls and his line drives last year was better than Justin Turner and Marcus Simeon, Chris Bryant, and Charlie Blackman. The guy can hit the ball hard when he gets it up in the air. Uh, and when you're talking about the second catcher dart down here, this is the kind of guy you target. And so Narvaez and Diaz are two guys that intrigue me outside of uh, – I mean, Sharinos is the guy I like the best down here. I, he should be living in the Crawford boxes. I mean, he is a, a very fly ball-heavy pull hitter in that park. If you're looking for a guy that could hit 25 home runs, that's him. I'm taking my chance at Chirinos hitting 25 at a 292 ADP uh, over Zanino hitting 25 at two, uh, 40 picks earlier than that. So that's where I would look for my balance. But I think Narvaez and Diaz are the two guys that intrigue me most down in this tier as guys that are being overlooked in, by ADP. Um, I'm with you on uh, Narvaez. Uh, Diaz is an interesting guy for me as well. Uh, Austin Barnes is interesting because of how late he's going and Grandal being gone. That being said, uh, before I invest in him at all, I'm, I'm waiting to see uh, if the Dodgers trade for Olmuto. So he kind of goes right. in that Francisco Mejia category where I go, I- I'm not touching this one. And, and for that matter, uh, Austin Hedges. I- I'm waiting to see if San Diego trades uh, Mejia. That means Real Muto's playing every day over Hedges. I don't want Hedges to begin with. I don't care if he's playing every day. I mean, he's he's over 900 plate appearances into a career, and it's a 210 batting average. And yeah, but I mean, that's what you're going to get a lot of the times in, in kind of this category right here. Uh, to me, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at some other upside guys there, and it's a Narvaez, Diaz, Chirinos, even Cervelli, mm-hmm. and uh, Barnhart. Cervelli's a guy I, w- I want for uh, – I'll definitely – Barnhart guy uh, – Keener, I'm going to pronounce this one Kiner wrong, too. Hey. He's interesting because of the fact they'll move him around the infield. And so while I'm never going to likely play him at second base or third base, uh, the fact that he's actually going to play those positions on occasion just means more plate appearances from my catcher, too. And that's really where his value comes in because he's got three positions on draft day, catcher, second base, and third base, which is, which is sweet. Mm-hmm. But he has no power. Uh, he's got a decent hit zone when he can steal some bases. So you're looking at a guy who should hit for a catcher, hit for a good average for a catcher, and then you got a guy with some upside of ten uh, of ten steals that's catcher eligible. But that's it. I mean, the run production in and of itself is not going to be there. So you're it's a two category catcher, uh, and then two categories you don't expect from catcher. So that's where I, I, I see his value there, but it, not a great hitter. I had him last year. It was somebody that I got in, in tout. I think I reserved him, uh, so it ended up working out well because I was able to use him as catcher, and, and that played out. Uh, that played up well as a free catcher off my bench. But uh, yeah, I'm not of this group. I mean, I know he's at 281 right now, but I, I'm still more interested in Diaz and Narvaez 40 picks later. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. Doing nice and quick and dirty. Unless there is there a guy left off the list by any chance that you might be interested in? The only the, the one guy because he's the very last guy. But mm-hmm. I thought I had to look. I was like a peeking through. Kristen Vasquez. I mean, 
Red Sox fans are like, whatever. <laughs> but you look at the, you look at the expected stats. He left a bunch on the table: forty-five points of batting average, forty-four points of weighted on base average. The the expected the contact the quality of the contact says he was better than the awfulness was last year. So if you were looking, if you're in a twelve team mixed league and you have to roster two catchers, and you're one of these guys that are like, hey, I'm spending a dollar on two guys, he's worth throwing a dollar at to see what else is there. Uh, to to that point, if you're in an AL only league, obviously you're going to have to spend a dollar on somebody like this, uh, but. There's there's enough left in the tank based on the quality of the contact to intrigue me at that. And we're talking 207 actual, 252 expected batting average, 240 expected weighted on base average. Now the 284, uh, the 240 actual, the 284 weighted on base average is still garbage. But that that difference in batting average, if you're in a batting average league, is intriguing enough to be like, yeah, wonder what's going to happen here. So that's that's a dark. A, 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 Catch a two dart throw in a uh, if you're if you're a fifteen uh, a fifteen team or a twelve fifteen you have to draft two catchers. There's a dollar target if you're in an AL and you have to. There's your dollar target. Yeah, I, I agree with you because in spite of the fact that I don't think that he's necessarily a great player, that's a pretty potent lineup. So, yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's ninth in Boston. <laughs> not yeah. not too steady. Yeah, he's be- yeah, especially if they end up hitting him eighth in between roster resources, eighth in between uh, Devers and uh, Bra- uh, Bradley Jr. Uh, I just think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for him to drive in runs uh, yeah. in, in that in that offense. So uh, you can do much worse. Uh, I'll ask you real quick: if, Are you drafting like either of the tandem? Oh, and then I actually have one more strategy question that someone else asked me. Uh, so, are you drafting either of the tandem of uh, of Flowers and McCann? No. Okay. Just don't have, no. have an idea I'm, of who's playing time. I'm not, I'm not. I think we we missed the boat on Flowers and McCann. You know the, the the platoon situation should work out decently enough, but I think we've missed the boat on McCann uh, on Flowers. Rather, we saw some of that fade. McCann. It's just he's going to be limited on uh, his playing time and injuries. Uh, I, I'm not intrigued by either. I, I'm, I'm chasing upside when I'm drafting catchers this late rather than going for the safe known names uh and then uh last question i had someone ask me the other day if i would ever in like a 15 team league uh draft two catchers from the same team for my catcher one and two oh. yeah i think i've done that i think i have two and i've regretted it every time I'm pretty sure I, I'm trying to think where I ended up doing that, but I'm pretty certain I did that. But you're still you're limiting yourself to okay, yeah. that's going to be 600 plate appearances total. Yeah. You can't it's get any higher than that. your value. Yeah, so you can't get any higher than that. And then so, if, but if you take two, if you take two backup catchers, like uh, using my example earlier, you take you take uh, Elias Diaz and you take. Uh, you know, Elias Diaz and you take Jan Gomes. Let's say those are your two guys, and then something happens to Kurt Suzuki, and something happens to Cervelli. All of a sudden, you have two full-time catchers, and they're getting four hundred and something plate appearances. You got you just got an extra two hundred plate appearances than you would have if you had drafted Diaz and Cervelli, or if you had drafted Gomes and Suzuki. That's exactly right. So, all right, well, that's going to do it for uh, this episode, Jason. What do you got going on? 
this week I have to go to Boston. Uh, thankfully, it looks like I'm going to avoid that polar vortex that some of you guys in the Midwest are just going to get pounded. Well, we're already starting to get pounded with. But I looked at some of those weather temps like uh, Minneapolis. I think the high on Wednesday is 12 below. That's the high. Uh, so I see some miserable weather coming for some of you guys. So uh, I'm sorry. Uh, move south. It's really nice here in Charlotte today. I'm not going to lie. Um, and we still lined up for a special guest next week. Uh, we are. Uh, I believe – I know it's going to be you, me, and the special guest, and I be, I'm pretty sure Paul's coming. Um, but I, yeah, I, Paul's not a special guest. So, but Paul's I, a I, guest. I believe uh, it'll be us three and the special guest. Uh, nice. On Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to have a uh, a special guest for baseball, which is who has is never been cool. on this show. Yes. Who has never been on this show. Never been on any podcast. But that, is uh, an avid listener. Yes, and so we we're super excited about that. We've been working on this one for for quite a while. Uh, let's see, what do I have going on this week? Um, hmm. uh, a bunch of podcasts over Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Uh, if you, ha- we're gonna have uh, Joe Pizapia on this upcoming week. Me and Paul are gonna talk to him uh, about the Fantasy Black Book. Uh, I had probably one of the best interviews I've ever done with Joe Pizapia on the uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational podcast. Uh, this last week, so I would go and check that out because it was uh, it was a really really fun but uh, kind of raw interview, uh, a lot different than I think virtually anything else you're gonna find in this industry. Uh, so and it, it's 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 short I think I think it's like 40 minutes. So uh, you should go check that out. Uh, you can get my draft guide over on Amazon.com or email me if you just want a PDF. Uh, we continuously update this draft guide. I think I've already done four updates and we released it a week ago so if, if you get a pdf i email you pdfs if you get uh the uh the ebook on amazon we continuously update that you get those automatically and if you get a paperback on amazon and you want the pdf just email me justin mason fantasy at gmail.com and i can make sure i add you to the list for for those updates so uh yeah that's gonna uh, wrap nice. us up uh so awesome yeah for jason myself thank you for listening have a fantastic baseball season See you guys.